For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What up, what up, everybody? It is Wednesday, August 12th, another week under our belts in this hellscape. I am joined, as always, by my buddy, Brian Hooper. How are we doing? Fantastic. How are you doing? Good. It is so weird to me. Like Every time we do this show, it feels like so much has happened. Like in the past week, I'm like, wait, did all of this stuff happen since we last recorded a show? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it actually did. Yeah, you said something in a DM to me the other day. Like, there's so much drama in DM for such a small community, something like that. I'm like, God damn, you're right. It really is. Because I haven't even been paying attention to like the DFS Twitter world yeah. until like the past year. You know, <laughs> every week there's something, but a lot lately. Yeah. So we had the uh, the Bobby Fantasy Pro uh, getting canceled. Uh, I don't I don't even remember what day was that. Was that like Thursday? I think last week. It feels like a month ago at this point. Yeah, it feels no. like yeah. Was it we had, the weekend? It was. It was definitely during the week. I think it was Thursday okay. or Friday. Um. Yeah. So if you were weren't aware, uh, Bobby Sylvester from Fantasy Pros was sending like very menacing, uh, predatorial messages to random women on Twitter, and uh, he got outed by those women. Which let's just talk about what an idiot he is. I mean, these women have. One of them have 60,000 Twitter followers. I mean, the ability to absolutely just crush him. Like, there's one thing about just being a bad person, and then there's just being an absolute idiot. I mean, these people are total idiots. He And he did it from his work uh, background for his live show, <laughs> right? His work background and his – I think his Twitter handle has – fantasy pros in the handle too doesn't it yeah it was it was bobby fantasy pro he was that was what was so hilarious is that he thought that that is what would would close the deal for him if she knows i work at fantasy pros that's that's the good stuff it's like <laughs> how do you think fantasy pros is impressive to anyone so i was thinking about i i, I i'm putting him into two buckets maybe that's a third bucket but like i was putting him in either a he's he's a psychopath like it kind of seemed like it, right? His delivery, and I and I was googling around. There's like one in a hundred people are psychopaths. <laughs> you you were doing research. I'm doing research on this guy. Then <laughs> and one in a hundred in society. And I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, maybe we shouldn't go outside. Not because of the pandemic, but because there's one in a hundred people are psychopaths. Yeah. And he either, either that or B, he's um, like a Louis C.K. And this is just his thing. And he's just like, this is what he does is send these 
random, you know, aggressive DMs to girls and he just gets off on it. Yeah, it probably is a little column A and a little bit of column B. Uh, I think the psychopath thing is there. He also has the other trifecta for these things, uh, which is the I go to church, I'm a Christian, I'm a sinner saved by Christ, which that's what gets everybody else riled up because it's not only are you an awful, awful person, you're also a hypocrite and a giant hypocrite. And uh, and that's what just, uh, it gave you the full bingo card for cancel culture uh, that I was happy to be a part of and canceling Bobby. Uh, what a scumbag. Yeah, th- th- that was actually a little sad. I think I saw that tweet. I think it was from you, right? Where it was like his Christian uh, dating site. Oh, the, I, that was a Photoshop that I made. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it said three kids on there. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. That's none of their, it's not their fault. No. It, and that's what's, again, that's what's also just stunning about it. Uh, and again, it goes back to the stupidity. Like you, you think about, you know, there's a long history it portrayed in media of men being trapped in marriages and they're going to the strip club. They're soliciting prostitutes or whatever they do on the sly, no pun intended, to get their rocks off. But to do this in such a public forum in an era where the internet is written in ink, I mean, just how mind-numbingly dumb do you have to be? Just, again, aside from being an awful person, just stone, stupid, bag of rocks dumb. Which has to be, he made it that far, which makes me think he's not dumb. It makes me think he's got either a problem or he's a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's both. And 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 now that he's lost his job, I mean, this whole situation, all these situations are really sad. And the more I think about them, like now, now we have a psychopath who doesn't have a job and can't get one. That's not a good combination. Yeah. Right. And, or, or the other way around, like if he's a dad and he just has this weird fetish, not that, you know, he, not that he, he did anything right here. He took, uh, and if I was fantasy pros, I would have fired him too, but um, he can't feed his kids. <laughs> this is kind of what DFS is. Yeah, this is what you come to Lulz for. I mean, I feel we we rope a dope with our viewers so much, Brian. I mean, they just absolutely they, they the the premise of this show is they see Brick seventy five is on here. They're just praying just for the littlest, juiciest DFS nugget that can propel them onto a winning DFS career. And instead, they come here. We're just assholes doing bits, talking about <laughs> DFS drama. I mean, <laughs> maybe we're the assholes. <laughs> the views just keep dropping. Um, I always wanted when I watched these DFS shows, though. I that's what I always wanted. I didn't care. Like I'm like I don't care about the picks. Like maybe like during the NBA show, right before lock, I want to know who's getting hurt and if there's yeah. any like news I'm missing or something like that. But like, why would you not talk about it? It's everyone knows about knows it. You know what I mean? Where like sites won't mention other sites and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that, that it, to me, there's always this, like, it's even funnier if there's a giant elephant in the room and no one will talk about it. And they're like, all right, the best power forward value on the slate. And it's like, come on guys, we at least got to mention this. We got to mention it. We need yeah. to alleviate the tension in the room and just call out a spade. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. And we're not, we, sometimes we do our live before lock show, but that's not, that's not this one. Yeah. And I mean, I've, um, as far as DFS, I've really only been playing PGA and MMA because those are the sports that don't stress me out. There's not a lot of late breaking news that's having me, you know, causing me to scramble and stuff. Uh, 
I know you are playing both those. I know you're playing NBA. Are those your big three, or is there anything else you're mixing in right now? No, that's that's well on the weekends MMA and um, NASCAR, but just baseball, basketball, and PGA during the week. Yeah, and how is uh, how's the NBA going? Because I heard uh, you know just from me observing Twitter, it seems like some insane stuff with like someone getting scratched, everyone changing their lineups, and then he ends up playing. What what was that guy? DeAndre Aiden, uh, the Sun Center. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't get well scratched. He he missed his coronavirus test. Oh, okay. And then so they said he was scratched. Um, I was talking to Davis actually earlier on Zoom, and uh, he uh, he said there was enough time to get him out. I didn't. I, I I didn't. I don't know if he was or not. But like, so I guess some people got him out, and then he got tested and took a bike, an actual bike, to the stadium and got in he missed the quarter quarter. wow it is i will say i watched the i don't know if you happen to catch it or if you ever watch it but i watched the first episode of hard knocks uh the other night i watched like the original one when it first came out one and that was it well you know it there's uh i i end up watching most of the years but this one is particularly fascinating just it taking place under you know these circumstances and so they're covering the rams and the chargers but those kind of weird things that have like someone biking to the stadium or whatever it, that COVID is creating all of these unique experiences that's definitely on display uh with hard knocks they had lots of fun doom clips and audio of guys and uh they have uh it's pretty satisfying they're doing because they have two teams but not as much access they're kind of piecing it together but uh it's it's fascinating to see uh how these teams are kind of operating under these new circumstances i saw your tweet uh that you're calling for them to go to a bubble is that is that 100% bit or are you actually that's what you really want well uh there's no chance that they are going to do that i mean no that ship has already long sailed. Uh, but I think the evidence is pretty damning, uh, about how success, I mean, the NHL hasn't had a single case. I don't think the NBA since they started has had, have they had a single case yet? Um, yeah, they had a bunch. I mean, they had guys who, um, tested, tested before they went to the bubble, but I don't think they've had anyone in the bubble. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say is I was again, from watching hard knocks, I was pretty encouraged the they they were showing very in depth the uh the testing protocols that they're doing for the players um and it seems like if all the teams are operating similar to how the Rams and Chargers are on camera that they're doing a pretty good job the the thing is is like at some point what the NFL is saying is the personal responsibility is on these players when they go home that they stay home they do the right things they wear the mask they don't put themselves in jeopardy and I mean, we can, we can point to, you know, smoking weed again, NFL players should be able to smoke weed, but every single year they know that they're going to get drug tests and they still get in trouble. So it's like, are they going to take personal responsibility with this stuff greater than they might with other things? And, and it's still, it still feels like a very vulnerable, um, kind of fragile situation, but I'm pretty encouraged right now, at least. Smoking weed doesn't affect anybody else. So they should 100% be able to smoke weed whenever the fuck they want. But yeah, yeah they, they could get their teammates sick and stuff like that. And um, I mean, I just totally agree with you. But um, I, 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 it's looking pretty good. So you'd figure with the NFL, with Goodell, like this was just going to be a disaster. And so far, it's looking like they, they, might, they might pull it off. Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, it, it seems like some of these teams have started to, uh, you know, the training camp stuff is actually, it makes sense, right? Because it's almost like a mini bubble. Like they're at the facility so much, they're just going home. You know, the questions become when they start traveling and stuff, are these guys going to have the discipline to uh, to kind of keep it locked down and get us through the season without a super spreader just wiping out the entire quarterback and wide receiver room for a team? That And um, me and you talked about this like months ago that that could be a good betting angle, like betting unders, like season-long unders, because like if Mahomes gets – COVID and he's out for two weeks. Like they're gonna, they're gonna, that's two games. They're not like almost definitely not going to win now. Um, or even during the week, you could bet a game early. Um, and it's, it's a miracle that this many players in the MLB and all the sports have tested just this infrequently. Cause I mean, they're like 26 year old dudes, alpha males in their prime millionaire athletes. Like keeping those guys inside has gotta be tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. It, I mean, to your point too, like in general, betting season long prop unders is profitable uh, just because in general, people like betting overs. Um, you know, a lot, a couple of my favorite bets in previous year, it was like, I think it was, uh, when was it? It must've been two years ago. It was Sam Bradford, uh, like game started and they had just drafted um, a rookie or you have um, like Adrian Peterson, you know, yardage totals, these guys that are like older veterans and you have the young guys coming. Uh, it just seems in general, when you're looking at if even just comparing them to projections, the unders in general, because the injury risk are going to be positive EV. But to your point, especially this year, there's just so many other things that can go wrong to throw off the, the alchemy of a team and, and the unders are going to hit with, uh, I would assume increased regularity. Although I'm guessing you would say to me, that you would assume the books would be updating and that price would be efficient and baking in that risk. Probably who knows? <laughs> I mean, like you, you don't know, like if Mahomes goes out, then the over for someone else is going to hit, you know what I mean? So like it should work both ways theoretically, but um, I don't, I don't know if these, uh, the new sports books have those season long over under wins totals. Yeah, they normally uh, trickle out uh, a little later, and I assume this year they're going to probably trickle out even later because the books just don't want to get nailed on uh, with putting up a bad line with so much uh, information still up in the air. You know, it's interesting in Illinois. The part of the legislation is they have to have all two way lines. Okay, and Bet Rivers didn't put put up some single way lines. I saw, so I don't know if they're still. Did doing you lawyer that. up? No, but I would love to sue the shit out. I would love, <laughs> I would love if we could figure out a way to take millions from this company. Oh my god, it would bring me so much joy, even if I didn't get any of it. So you have been in the uh, the prop betting streets. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that is going. You've been uh, sniping some of these NBA props. Yeah, I've been doing a little bit. I stopped a couple days ago because of this. Um, like it turned into like a preseason, <laughs> a preseason uh, NBA schedule where guys are playing the first half and not and nothing else. And um, it's it's just not worth it to to bet props right now, except maybe all unders. Uh, and actually, they stopped they stop putting some of them out there too. So like until the playoffs come back, I'm not going to bother. And it's kind of a pain in the ass putting it up on Twitter, 
So <laughs> have you gotten good feedback from them? Have people been tailing them? Uh, I don't know. Like one guy, yeah, a couple guys did. They, I mean, they were pretty good. Like the first couple days, they were like eight, eight and one or something like that. Former guest and friend of the show, Jake Hari, wants to know what your gripe is with Bet Rivers. The owner of Bet Rivers is a guy uh, who they the Bet Rivers. I don't know how many casinos there there are in their whole company, but in Illinois, he's like a powerful uh, contributor to the Democratic Party, and so he's got a lot of sway. And he's the reason we don't have poker in Illinois. He's one of the reasons. The other reason is the horse track. So, and then this, and then also with DFS, he was holding that back too. And it's amazing that one person can have this much power, but I'm telling you, it's 100% true. And, um, and he was holding back DFS. And when they came to like this agreement with sports betting, he got DraftKings and FanDuel on a like wait list. They had to wait like a year and a half. And, um, to like get him to sign off on the deal. And so that's why we don't have FanDuel and DraftKings yet is still also because of Bet Rivers. And there's other stuff too. So if I could put some Bet Rivers props out there and people take some money from it. Yeah. I'm all for it. There you go. There you go. So what else have you been um have you been adapting uh your process with kind of the the NBA minutes landscape being different than you used to or are you still kind of business as usual? Business as usual. I've been so NBA this is what when you were asking me when the season started back up whether you should play or not and I said no. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was I think that a good decision. It was very good. And um NBA also is more is the 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 sport the DFS sport with the most like art, you know, like art versus science. Like you still need to project and have game theory and figure stuff out, but like the little adjustments and late swap and stuff like that, there's like art to it, projecting minutes, who's going to get the share of points and stuff like that. It's not, you, it's, it's very tough to do from like a standard modeling perspective of just, uh, you know, how, how you would do it in other sports You're, you really have to guess and like even football's easier because like you know i don't know i'm sorry. like if tyreek hill goes down you know watkins is going to get more receptions they're still going to throw the ball x amount of times yeah not that hard and in in, in uh, basketball it can be because like if a stud center goes down not that there's many of them left in the nba but if a stud center goes down doesn't mean the direct center backup's going to get all those minutes and all those all that usage, like you don't know where it's going to go. And so like the more you know about it, like the better you guess at that, the better you are in the NBA. So it's like minutes and where everything's going to go with all these changes, especially right now with all this uncertainty. What's so funny? I'm sorry. I was laughing at something happening in the YouTube comments, which was uh, our friend Alex Baker, I think is how you pronounce his name. Ah. He said, I, I wish we could just challenge this guy to a head to head. He was referencing the Bet Rivers guy. Wes thought he was referencing you and said, Not if you enjoy winning, Alex. LOL. Uh, so, yes, that's. Uh, it, do you want to reveal now that uh, Alex will dodge all of your head to head requests? <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. I don't think Alex plays head to heads. 
that's my kind of guy. Just GPPs are bust. Wes, uh, we are going to talk golf. You know, we had to talk about the people who got canceled. We had to do all the other things that are on the Lowell show sheet before we can get to golf. Yeah. Is there is there anything else before we give the people what they want, which is our hot golf takes? Uh, well, I mean, there is the elephant in the room. Should we should we address it or what? Oh, the uh, the little uh, Manny Laura uh, disappearing off the face of the earth. Danny, yeah, Manny Laura disappearing off the face of the earth. Um, I, yeah, maybe I mean, Bakur has a take, hot take on it. <laughs> Alex Bakur, if you have a, a hot take, uh, we are all ears. Uh, he, uh, you know, there's not too many of us in the DFS space that self-identify as streamers. Now, Manny Laura was definitely uh, one of the more, uh, we're talking about him like he died. It, it does seem like, what would it take, Brian, for you to delete your Twitter account? What What would you have to get to, uh, to just have someone strong arm you into deleting your Twitter account? Uh $180,000 cash. Uh, is, is this from you looking at your social blade metrics and you've put a, an exact valuation on your Twitter account? I don't give a shit about my Twitter account, but he must have. He yeah. had 10,000 followers. Yeah. Um, his whole, t- uh, he had subs on, um, what's that? What's the, what, Twitch. Twitch. Yeah, on yeah. Twitch. He had plenty of subs. I'm assuming like 100, 200. Yeah. Maybe more. The one thing I will say, I'm pretty sure that just the act of deleting a Twitter account is that it's not gone forever, that you can come back and turn it back on. And I I know there's different settings within there of like, do you really, really want to delete it? Or do you want to keep a a candle on for it? I'm pretty sure there's settings like that, but still uh, definitely a pretty interesting move there. Yeah. It doesn't make any damn sense to me oh the clock is ticking there then that's uh jake do you is this coming from personal experience jake you you've deleted it and uh, came back within 30 days uh, alex threatened him <laughs> yeah delete your account jake you have one hour yeah that's the thing i mean it's an actual like uh twitter joke for a long time my buddy cd carter his bit on twitter was people said denny delete your account like over and over and uh fc dave told manny to delete his account and uh he did and it didn't seem like they were doing any bits doesn't seem that was i told that to alex and dm i'm like do you, what do you think the odds are this is a marketing ploy because it's a damn good one honestly this is actually pretty funny. No, one of my NHL DFS buddies got tilted and deleted his for a couple of weeks, says Jay Kari. Wow. Was he tilted about DFS or tilted by some conversations on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter. That doesn't make any sense. Well, unless you think it's a, it's jinxing you. You just got to get rid of this Twitter account. Yeah. I was uh, I felt bad for a couple. So the show I do right after this, Ship Chasing, with my buddy Pat, uh we were doing a listener league and we've been having people send us um, like reviews and screenshots of their team. And two guys who listened to us on the podcast created Twitter accounts just to do, to submit their entry. I feel bad that I didn't give them an alternate Avenue via email or whatever. And then they found each other in the chat and we're like, yeah, I joined this hellscape just to submit for this listener league. And they're like, I'm deleting it after. So, uh, you know, there are people out there who haven't had their brain, broken by social media like the rest of us hmm. um do we want to talk about season long oh yeah football let's do it let's do it because the time is coming i mean we are i think from tomorrow we're four weeks away from opening kickoff 
So you are a, a season-long football expert, can we say? Do we do we dare say that is your specialty? Uh, I, expert is uh, it's a very dicey word around me. How about let's go with aficionado? I feel like that has more room for just someone who enjoys season-long but maybe isn't incredible at it. Uh, well, that's what I'm wondering is what makes one incredible and how are there these – Bobby Sly guys who have whatever hundred thousand followers, and like what makes people like them, and what where's the evidence? Like football guys, I could get they have like pro- updated projections and results for DFS. Like what makes one a season long football expert? Well, first of all, Kaiser says I already beat you to that joke. I'm not going to let the viewers get to making fun of me being an expert before I do. So you snooze, you lose. Um, no, to your point, it's very, it's become more apparent in this past year or so of the analysts who do their own projections and their rankings and their takes are based off of projections. And then the analysts who are shooting from the hip. And I will say, you know, there are guys like Evan Silva. Evan Silva doesn't do projections. He looks at projections. He looks at lots of resources. And to your point, Silva is one of those kings of his feel for the game and the way he interprets news and stuff. He just has the art of it down. But then there's the guys like Paulson and Cardi and the guys over at Rotoviz and and people that do their own projections. And I tend to personally gravitate uh, to that kind of more analytical based information, but there's room. The fantasy industry is now so big that you can get away with the counselor is like the best example. The counselor is like the farthest away from doing his own projections. And he has the biggest audience of just about anyone out there outside of maybe like 10 guys in the fantasy space. So I think some people don't want to intellectually engage with fantasy football on that level they just want someone to say just like in dfs or just like in sports betting just tell me the guy tell me the pick you know and i think that's kind of what's cool about it is there's something for everyone and now the stats are so good that you know you can really basically have whatever you want your your style of of content preference i guess i just feel like there needs to be so like okay do you play two thousand? private leagues and let's see the results. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I want to see some results on what, like leaving basketball aside, like what makes you a season long expert? Can you handle the waiver wire of a thousand leagues better than anybody? And like, are you just using DFS projections for your weekly changes? Cause if you are, then who gives a shit about you? Like I, you know, like if, if are they better than DFS projections by week? I, I guarantee they're not. No, uh, it, like what good are they? Well, and now <laughs> you're logged out. Well, and now you're talking about a different thing. And I actually agree with you. Uh, for the the guys that are the high stakes grind, a lot of touts. Like, there's almost two genres of what you're talking about. There's a lot of and sorry, people in the in the chat are tilting that we're talking about season long football. We're <laughs> going to talk about golf in like five minutes. Just relax. Uh, there's like the two genres that you're talking about. There's the touts. And a lot of touts aren't high volume players. You know, they're the Eddie fears, right? That they don't play. It's that it's their job and they do content and they play in a few home leagues and that's it. And then there are the high stakes volume grinders. 
And they are the ones, to your point, that are managing a thousand waiver wires and the volume and the amount of drafts they do is is insane. And to your point, there's no there's no database, there's no results DB where I can see these guys entered a hundred of these $350 football guys drafts. This is their ROI year after year. And it can be deceptive, right? Of being like, well, they won this, this tournament. It's like, okay, let's, let's see the amount of volume they put in because it's actually the argument of like, well, he had 150 lineups. That's actually applicable in the other direction for season long fantasy. It can be a volume play uh, if you just have enough cracks at it. Um, And I sometimes personally am not impressed with what their process or what they claim their process would be. I don't see structural drafting. I don't see it um, reflected by win rates or, you know, anything that's like based in evidence. It's, it's very much a feel thing. It's very much, Oh, what's the ADP and a guy slid two spots by that. I don't ever hear talk about range of outcomes, how to balance profiles of range of outcome guys across the draft. So to your point, I think it is very, um, unquantifiable right now how good some of these season-long players are yeah i mean I, that's what it feels like to me they, they, like definitely proportional to how many followers they have <laughs> like they have a ton of followers and like what are you what, what are you winning why yeah. do you have, what do you are you i mean obviously narratives can really be attractive to people and that's fine i don't got a problem with that i just want i'd like to see like those whatever ffbc or whatever those season-long um, I don't know if that, that one's not, is that one best ball? FFPC. They have, they have both. Yeah. yeah. They have both. Yeah. Like just all the results from there, all the, all the best ball results. And like, then that's a season long skill. If you can somehow figure out how to rank your players. And then if you do all the drafts live to get your correlations in and stuff. um, Okay. Then that, that would prove it to me. Yeah. And I, I will say the best ball space, more so than season long, I feel like has gotten a lot sharper. I mean, I've been doing drafts on underdog. The ADP is very efficient. Almost every team is stacking now. You used to not see that. Uh, and people are going out of their way to double and triple stack. Uh, the, the fields are getting smarter in best ball, whereas I'll look at these season long drafts and I'll see like no rhyme or reason to these drafts, no structural rhyme or reason, no, you know, positional, this just complete, like I'm just taking whoever I want off the top of my queue, my favorite guy on the board. Um, and so I do think there is still, there's still an edge in those formats, but you know, Bobby's in the chat saying to the high stakes season long grinders care about the slow turnaround. I mean, to realize your ROI, the time investment, I do it because it's fun. I do a couple of them a year and I just really enjoy it, but there's a cap for me because I don't want to do waiver wire and I'm not doing it because I think I have some huge edge and I'm going to turn around an ROI. But if I were, man, who wants to tie up, you know, say you do 10 of these drafts, main event drafts, that's, that's uh that's $20,000. Who wants to tie up $20,000 for six months? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That's my, so like if you tie up, like what's, what's your edge there? Let me see it. And then is that even the right play of keeping 20 grand in there. I mean, that would be interesting to see like a professional season long players results. Like that's all they do for a living. They dabble in DFS and sports betting, but mainly yep. they just do this, this two months here before the NFL kicks off. 
yeah. make chilling. That would I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. And I say this as someone who has uh, like in a lot of things uh, a lifetime negative ROI in high stakes contests. So I don't feel like I can be the one twisting the screws. But I would love it if some of these high stakes volume grinders who are very proud of their results, if they were able to reveal to us their full spectrum, just like say how Levitan does his cash game review after each week and he shows his exact you know ROI on each slate and you really understand how how much he's winning each week it'd be fascinating to see that for some of these guys because it is a bit of a black box oh yeah i would love to see it and this is all new to me i like i had no idea these guys have like so many followers and it's like well what are they doing that's so special i don't get it i think the people that have it and again i think we're kind of talking about two different things because a lot of the high stakes volume grinders don't actually have huge followings partly because they don't want to give up what they perceive as an edge. They don't want to give up that information. My buddy Pat and I, we discuss our waiver picks, everything like live on air. If people want to take our picks, then so be it. But a lot of these guys, you know, put it under lock and key. The guys that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, your your Michael Fabiano or whoever, uh, they 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 have an audience of people who play in 10 team, 12 team, friend and family, home leagues, work leagues, and and that's their that's their audience. So their audience isn't interested in a huge ROI. They're interested in just like beating a few of their buddies. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay. I believe the people uh, have already tired over our season long talk. Although I will say, four weeks out here, I think we should definitely each week start talking a little bit more NFL DFS. Get us in the. Uh, in the right headspace for when the season starts. Are you excited about, uh, sounds like we might be getting some Saturday slates, maybe even some talk of a Friday night slate. Uh, are you excited about uh, NFL around the clock? That could be cool. Yeah. If they're going to do that. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much college, which I had a pretty good year in college last year. So that's a kind of a bummer. Yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, NFL DFS Sunday with red zone. Is there, is there a better sweat? It's the best. It's awesome. Um, you know what wasn't a good sweat? The team we built last week with Jake Hari. Jake, what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah, Jake, Jesus. Hey, God, let's actually go back. and let, I know for sure Schwab was my pick. Yeah. I know, And I believe Stricker ended up being my pick, too, once you told me he was an old guy, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's kind of unfair because we did go with the stacking route because of the weather problems, which we need to look at too today. But, and uh, so we kind of just fit guys in who are, who were in that f- first half. And it turned out that that didn't matter. There was either no edge or even slightly negative. I mean, that's, re- you know, results oriented, but uh, we did not get the edge we were looking for. Stenson missed a putt on 17. I don't know if he played the front or back his 17. I wanted Casey too for the double revenge narrative. We were close. We were close to a, to a good team. I mean, do you know what was funny? And I, I know it makes sense because I was putting in guys that I had a lot of exposure, but then when I rent and ran my lineups and put them in, I was like, the team we built looks like a lot of my teams. <laughs> like one of my best teams, uh, some of them up here, we had a lot of the similar guys. There was a Casey Stenson McIntyre. I had a lot of Rory, but uh, yeah, we, one of these days, Brian, and maybe it's this week, we're going to finally build a winner on here. Yeah. Um, 
hopefully. <laughs> it's been pretty bad. These were, I had all these teams in the Millie. This is actually more Millie Maker teams than I normally play because I had won some tickets, but 291 here, my worst of, of all the teams. Um, okay. This week, we do have another measly 500,000 up top. I basically don't even want to win it. Um, I just, I would be, I am not, I, I know it sounds like I'm kidding, but I would honestly be devastated if I used my one time on a 500,000 one and they couldn't say Millie maker winner, Peter overs Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I'd take the money. I'd take, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I know. I just, um, I'm in it for the glory, Brian, and it just doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Um, did you, you say, did you, uh, did you run your lineups, uh, already? I did like a little something quick before the show. So I have enough. Yeah. Enough to go by. So I don't, I haven't seen Eli reasons in the chat. Uh, he would be excited to know, uh, my lineups right now are pointing me back to Brooks Kepka, my highest owned exposure right now. How do you feel about that? I have a lot of them too, which I don't like. I might actually <laughs> manually change that. <laughs> <laughs> this is where, how, what kind of sick world are we in where I've turned into the man of science and you've turned into the, the, the art the the man of faith you got to trust your your gut get off of kefka this was this was going that's what's going to happen to someone who's playing nba in these crazy circumstances and like that the pga goes from one percent making the cut six of six for what eight weeks in a row to 20 some percent uh, yeah that was uh I apologize to the chat. Wes is tilting about me not wanting to take the 500,000. I might restart my career and relocate if I win 500K. In my defense, it'd be 250K that I had to split with Brian. After taxes, it's probably like 175. And then people are just saying, Peter, 500,000 there. You know, it, it's just, it's sorry, it's not moving the needle for me, but this is this is a reverse jinx sandbag for us to take this down is what I'm trying to do. Oh, no. Okay. No. Yeah. But saying how much I would hate to win this. And, uh, okay. but now I ruined it by actually expressing my intentions. We'll um, to, yeah. We'll have to jinx your jinx. Who, uh, who, who else do you have a lot of this week? So I know who to suggest in my lineup and make you squirm as you're worried about the jinx. An error in mine. So let me, uh, I just update it. Let's see here. Oh, it gave me more Brooks. Great. Um, there you go. So it, to me, it looks like, Webb Simpson and Ryan Moore are going to be Chalk City. Yeah. And even knowing that, I still have a ton of more. Okay. I thought I was going to have a ton of him, um, and then I ended up not getting that much of him. Uh, what what ownership percentage do you have him at? I have him at 23%. Okay. Wow, I'm surprised you have that much of him. Yeah. Uh, are you about even with the field or are you over the field? I'm going to be double or triple the field unless I'm, I'm going to make some changes here after the show. I just did this. took like yeah. 20 minutes to do this. Um, Right now I get 68%. Holy cow. More like Brian, give me He's more. A huge favorite in his like salary grouping. Yeah. like He's triple – triple the chance of everyone around him of winning it. Yeah. I mean, 
looking at just like the best like points per dollar plays using Alex Baker's rankings, uh, he definitely was one of the better values. Him and uh, I saw someone in the chat mention Jim Furyk week, another points per dollar uh, king this week. Uh, I was happy to see I had some Jim Furyk in my first run. Uh, do you have any Furyk or are you just Ryan Moore till you die? Um, I have. Let me look. What's his salary at? Furick is 7,200. Yeah, no, I got 28%. Okay. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Don't hold me to these because I just just did this for 20 minutes. Oh, we will hold you. Please go through (laughs) Brian's lineups uh, and make sure that he has the exact percentages as touted on the show. Uh, I also have a lot of Tommy Fleetwood. I got Furick projected pretty higher than the. Higher than the industry too, by the way. Okay. Um, Tommy English Englishman Fleetwood. Uh, I got him at like thirteen percent projected ownership. Yep. And am I getting to him? About even with the field. Okay. Um, it looks like my fade is Webb, unless I do something yeah. about this Brooks exposure, which I'm, I'm going to. I'm I'm on the web fade as well. I don't I have like none of him at I mean again, uh this is where I really reveal myself as a, a PGA thought leader, but like I don't I don't care who Webb Simpson is. Does he deserve to be 35% owned? He he named his daughter Winham <laughs> name this tournament. Wait, is, it, is that real? That's real. Is that why he's 35% owned? Uh and I'm assuming he lives there. So this is all like a, a home course narrative driven ownership. Uh, and he plays well there. Um, okay. I will say every single week, the chalk golfer just smashes. It seems like now, right? Is that just our new reality and us contrarian players just eat it week after week while the slappies get there? <laughs> the, I mean, it has seemed like that. The one guy who makes it through is in the, even in the 1% six to sixes is like a some chalk some chalk guy but oh man yeah web i mean he it is tough to fade him what uh did you see so dink had a screenshot drew jinkmeyer of his millie maker uh last week and he said in his tweet he had locked tony finau in 150 lineups finau obviously had a good showing and he still lost money in the millie maker uh what what are your thoughts? I, I know you don't uh do this, I would doubt ever, but what are your thoughts on on locking a guy to to narrow down your your combinations, I assume is the logic there. Um yeah, I don't I don't do it. I uh I d I don't I don't I don't think that that's right. I mean I don't think it's like that bad. But I don't like I'm putting the- you in a bad spot to trash Dink right there, and you just did it so so polite. You're like, I I don't think that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, like I, I don't know if it's like that if it's that wrong. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to like you know be nice or beat around the bush, but I can't see how that can definitely be right. But um, maybe it is. But like I I definitely don't think like the the grouping two out of three or one out of these two that a lot of guys do. Um. I don't think, I don't think that's right either. I mean, because I mean, you know, like to just talk about it really simplistically. So if the field has 20% fee now, um, I mean, and you're going a hundred percent on someone, I mean, that, 
there has to be like a negative EV element there. Even if your projections put you over the field, like to 40 or 45%, like, aren't you just getting diminishing qualities on like every percent above that, that would even be justified based on the projection. I don't know if I'm making sense. I didn't entirely follow you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking like the upper, like say your projections was higher than the, the market on him. And because of that, you ended up getting like 40 to 50% of a player. Mm -hmm. And, but that was actually justified because of your higher projection. Right. But then if you're a hundred percent, so you're another 50% on top of that, like aren't all 50% of those lineups theoretically, or that exposure set going to be negative EV relative to what his inherent value is. Okay. I, I got you. I Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. That's a, that's a good question. But like I saw Mark Cuban years ago do an interview um, about like where, what he's investing in, in that year. And he said he was investing in like China or Australia the, and uh, the East. And the guy goes, well, don't you want to diversify? And he's like, diversifying is for idiots. And he's like, why would you diversify when you have the edge and, you know, you know your edge and you just push it? And so I, th- I, I think that's wrong. Like I get what he's saying, but because – especially in PGA. Forget, forget him for a second. Because like we don't know that our projections are, are dead on accurate. So like – there's a margin of error you got to factor in just like in sports betting. So like, let's say you model out a guy to, you know, whatever you, you have like 5% edge um, like in the, the value uh, column in my prop bet um, things I post on Twitter. Like I probably still wouldn't even bet that. Like I'd bet probably over 5% and just any of the, any things I would model, I would, I'd probably not bet unless the edge was, clear enough to factor in for the fact that I might be wrong and my mom might be wrong and I might be doing this wrong and there might be things I don't know. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so it would have to be a situation. And again, I'm not going to speak for Dink, but if your say personal projection was such, you know, standard deviations away from the market that you did think there was a huge edge there that you wanted to hammer, like I get it, tying it back to season long football, like, if I think a guy's ADP is off by like four rounds and he's a cheap pick where it's not going to kill all my teams. If my 14th round pick doesn't hit, I think in those cases uh, it is okay to load up because the downside risk isn't as bad as what your edge in and upside might be. I, it, to me, it seems like not your specific strategy, but thanks yeah. is like more like an NBA strategy. I was, who was, was I, I was talking to somebody about how like the NBA now nowadays seems to me like to be like MMA in like this aspect of like, you need all the winners, all the fight winners in MMA, right. To have a shot Mm -hmm. and you don't want to do, but that's not a huge problem in the NBA, the NBA now too, it feels like you got to pick all the studs now. Like you can't get away with like, you can more so than an MMA, but you feel like you got to get eight out of eight studs. Like the stud, the studs, like close to the optimal. It's like five, three, four, years ago it wasn't that bad and so like and they're going with a smaller tighter pool which is what the burrito brothers do in the nba like that makes more sense to me where in golf it doesn't make a sense that much sense to me to have like you know a whatever like a 20-man pool and just have a ton of um 
exposure to like a few a few guys. My rule of thumb is like whatever the cut line is. So like now it's generally 65 under that. And then hope like the majority of your players make the cut. Yeah. And and I said I've I say this like every every other show, but like if you have the same process every week, hopefully it's a good one, but if you have the same process every week and then one week, like this is a perfect example for me. I'm doing the exact same thing and I'm still getting a ton of chalk Ryan Moore. Like then I'm going to play him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because normally the way I do it anyways, the chalk guys are, you know, I'm not going to get a ton of them. And so like, he must be a really good play. So he's yeah. sure to be cut. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try to uh, approach this again once more. T- I, pr- I might not make any sense, but I'm going to try again. So if you think about like, say your projections end up outputting you higher than the field on certain players. And, and like you said, the, the, the player pool is massive. So there's all these different places that you can be, you know, overweight or underweight relative to the field And each one of those. If your projections are correct represents an advantage. And so the bigger player pool, the more you have, you're stacking those little advantages. I'm 6% here. The field's 4%. So you're giving your more, yourself more chances to stack those advantages and compound them. Whereas if you go all in on one player, you're limiting those where you can stack those advantages or is the argument, well, no, you're just putting all that advantage in that one bucket. Well, I mean, like if you looked at it on a lineup level, if like 150 Tony Finau total ROI, let's just say we're doing it by ROI is the top 150 of your, let's say you make a thousand lineups and they, the top 150 with every combination of other player is the highest ROI you can pump out, then got that I'm totally, totally fine with that. I doubt it though. Like I would imagine that the combinations of other players would give you a higher ROI on those specific lineups. And theoretically, then if you pump those 150 best ROIs every week, you're going to, you should make more money over time. Um, yeah, that to me that seems more like a narrative play, and you know whatever that's I got no no problem with that, but it seems to me more like a narrative play, and you're just you're you're gambling with a specific guy in a small pool. And How many? I will say, as someone, uh, I as someone who has struggled with sweating golf because I have lots of low dollar entries and I don't have any, and my exposures are pretty spread out. I don't have very many good sweats in golf. Whereas if I lock button Tony Finau, I'd have a pretty good sweat uh, on Sunday coming down the stretch, knowing he is my one horse I need. Um, Okay. We do. uh, I think we should build a lineup here. We have done enough theory talk for the day. Uh, It sounds like you want to lock Ryan Moore. You want to not ruin your jinx. Yeah, all right. Whatever, whatever you feel is the right thing. Well, to this do. is funny because I don't, I don't have a lot of him. I don't think I, I have to scroll down here to find him. I, I don't think I have much of him at all. Uh, no. Oh yeah, I have one percent. I have one percent. Ryan Moore. Um. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think just at that ownership, I wasn't. I was. Uh, I was pruning my lineups and uh, was not getting a lot of Ryan Moore in my, in those chalkier builds. Um, yeah, your projections must be, uh, must be different than mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Sorry, I'm trying to see how many players Dinkmeyer used last week. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's put in more though. Let's put in more, and I I will go with. How about this? I have 23% Paul Casey. We didn't get him into our lineup last week. We get Casey back in this week. I saw Levitan on one of his shows, and he always says, uh, and I'm not never be late to the party or something like that. So like if someone goes off, he never takes them the next week. <laughs> That's uh, we have lots of we we need someone to compile all of the various reverse jinx rules, the double reverse jinx. I, I don't even know where this one falls. Yeah, I'm getting I confuse myself with them, but uh let's see how many I if I have him. Um well he's pretty expensive this week. I, I do have him, so all right. But Ryan Moore. a lot of ownership now. So what is Casey's ownership? What did you have him at? 14.2. Okay. All right. It's you and me back to back sub five percent ownership picks. Okay, hold on, let me calculate calculate this up oh i'm gonna i'm gonna have a wild one for us is it is it your pick or my pick we reverse reverse order snake draft it's yours right now all right how about Ooh, how about hv3 okay oh three sticks is back yeah he's uh my fourth highest owned golfer right now Okay, that's a little high, but <laughs> I like how you get excited about it. That I tell you how much I have of it. You're like, "There's the kiss of death." There <laughs> it is. Here's uh, I, I know who you're gonna take. No, I guarantee you, I will PayPal you a hundred dollars this second if you can guess the guy I'm about to float. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it must not be that guy, unless you're an excellent actor, which is possible. Um. Hmm. Who would he not pick? Jin Jang Jung? You're on the right track. So a guy that I'm getting in some of my lineups that I want to put in this lineup is a guy I'd never heard of until about four hours ago. His name is Kiradek Afa Barnrat. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Barnrat? Oh, do you know the Barnrat? Yeah, everyone knows the Barnrat. Okay, well, then you should have guessed him. Yeah, that's true. I didn't get that far down the list. Okay. How do you feel about that pick? We, I have none of them, but no one, neither does anyone else. So he, he'll, here's what I'd say. So on, on Thursday, when he's minus four and you're feeling good, oh, I don't feel that great. <laughs> it's my Friday afternoon. Is that classic barn rat? That could be barn rat. Yeah. He could definitely go lead, lead day one and miss the cut by three. I'm so sad that Barn Rat's a household name and I didn't realize it. Yeah, he's not that household name, but um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a big boy too. You'll it's a joy to watch him. Wait, I gotta look him up here. Yeah, take take a look. I'll add up this. Uh, Happy- oh, look at this big boy. Oh yeah, I already love this pick so much. <laughs> oh, that's this guy. He's the smoke guy. Okay, I love. Okay, I did know who this guy was. Yeah, I've seen this you're photo. Showing, you're not showing the the stream what he looks like. Oh, sorry. Time. I thought I was on my uh, my bad guys. I was. Uh, I forgot which tab I was on. Let me get this up here. There we go. That I had seen. This is an iconic photo of him. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Smokes on the course. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, guys. I uh, I had never put the face to the vape smoke flume. Um, okay. We're back. We're back. Uh, Brian, who are you taking? Okay. We got two left. What's our average salary? 8,800. Oh, did you notice I listened to uh, the uh, Daily Roto golf show with one Davis Manic and, uh, and Drewby, the uh, enemy of the show, Drewby? Yeah. And they now do a Millie Maker lineup build at the end of the show. I don't remember that. I don't remember wow. them doing that. Wow. Well, we were the first people to invent making a lineup on a show. So <laughs> they, we, that. They, no one has ever done that. No, it is very curious. It's very curious, though. And we don't steal anyone else's ideas. So I don't no. think anyone should steal ours. No. Uh, okay. Ball's in your court. What about Matthias Schwab bringing it back? You want to go back to the Schwab? Let's do it. Okay. What ownership do you have him at? 4.1. 4. Do I have any Schwab on my lineups? Oh, no. You know, with Barn Rat, we can <laughs> take, take anyone we want now. Okay. So we, could go, we can go up to a stud. How much do we got? Yeah, 10-2. Alex Baker says Lowell's invited the lineup before lock show. It is true. We were the first people to do it. Um, all right. So we have 10 2 and what's our combined ownership. Did you say right now? It's low. It's like 45, uh, 47. Um, I will say I have a lot of Justin Rose. Oh, who? Yeah, I guess Justin Rose makes sense. But other than that, with answer out, um, we might have to change this to go up to one of those other guys. I don't mind going up to Fleetwood or Kepka. Yeah, either either Rose and then we don't need to leave Salary on the table because we got Barnrat in there. <laughs> Chucky three six Barnrat. Um we could drop the I would Howell or Schwab I would drop if we're gonna go up. We can drop which which one do you want to drop? We can drop Schwab. Okay, so we need to drop him down to like the 7,100 range. Yeah. So any chalk down there? Because we got 7,100 range. Uh, any love for Vegas? Thursday, uh, Charlie. Eh, I'm done with Vegas. Brandon Grace. Aaron Wise can go off. Um Zach Johnson just won the Man of the Year award. How's that narrative for you? Wow, Man of the Year according to who? Um, PGA Tour. Okay. Um, some award, probably the Payne Stewart Award. I I can't even remember. Okay. Uh, I'll, Cameron Davis. I'll do the Zach Johnson narrative. Hmm. And he's old as fuck. Oh, I mean, not six year old, but okay. I'll take it. Make sure you don't take Zach J Johnson. So Last then. Week two of them is it that oh yeah that guy looks real old that's the right zach johnson right that's him okay and then that gets us to fleetwood right is that who we're looking at or reed it looks like i oh i guess i i have a decent amount of reed uh as well who do you want i uh i like i like fleetwood more which makes me want to take reed (laughs) The one week that we don't reverse jinx this lineup is the week it's going to hit. Okay, fine. Fleetwood. Fleetwood. There it is. Ryan Moore, Paul Casey, Chucky Three Sticks, the Barn Rat, Zach Man of the Year Johnson, 
and Tommy, the Englishman Fleetwood. I'm, I'm starting to get my golf down, Brian. I think I'm really growing as a PGA broadcaster in front of everyone's eyes. I think right you, can, you can tout it now. I think it's I, official. I can tout it. Um, all right, guys. Thank you for tuning in, as always, to a very eclectic lull show. We really did discuss it all. Brian, any parting words for the people? Uh, no private DMs to girls with uh, 60,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. Don't do it. Yep. Send anytime you have a DM that you're tempted to send, uh, send it to Brian instead. And he can be kind of the filter and he'll let you know. So send all your horny DMs to Brian. Yeah, I, I'd like it. I'd like it. It'd be fun. It'd be fun for everyone. All right, guys. Good luck this week in PGA. Good luck in those NBA streets. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.